Hey, welcome to Sunday School. I'm glad you're here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. You're listening to the Mills Sunday School Podcast. We are the College and 20-somethings ministry of New Life Church. This morning, as we jump into our message, um, we are smack dab in the middle of a series on the book of Acts. Now, how many of you guys were here last week, and we're here for week one as we kick this thing off? Okay. So, uh, so last week, for those of you who weren't here, we uh, kicked off this book of Acts, and we, we realized, and we talked about how there's a lot of, of uh, practical application and spiritual insight to be gleaned from the book of Acts, because uh, it's the start of the church, it's the origins of Christianity, it's uh, post-Jesus when the church is growing and expanding. And we, we learned last week that, that the book of Acts, um, the author Luke wrote it not just as an account of the origins of the church, but he wrote it as an account of the shift from Israel as God's exclusive people to the church as God's universal people. And about uh, Acts chapter 8 or so, we see that this shift from Israel is the focus, and Israel is the means in which God's work is accomplished upon the earth. It shifted to the church, and shifted to us, and shifted to uh, the worldwide melting pot of people that is the church that accomplishes God's work upon the earth. So we saw that um, Luke writes the book of Acts along those regards, and we also studied and looked at the account of Pentecost. Hallelujah, yeah, Holy Spirit falls. Um, and uh, fills the church, that fills the believers, and now indwells the believers. And so instead of the Holy Spirit coming for a moment and then leaving, well, now the Holy Spirit is living in us and teaching us and instructing us and guiding us into God's will for our lives. And so we know now that the Holy Spirit is in us, and we don't have to rely on external means to find God's will for our lives. But because we have the Holy Spirit, He speaks to us, and He leads us and guides us into what God has for us. So we had a really good week last week, and we're going to continue to walk through the book of Acts this morning as we look at Acts chapter 3 and 4. But uh, before we jump in, let's pray together and let's invite the Holy Spirit in as we learn his word and we study it. And uh, let's ask that he teach us this morning. Father, we are so in love with you and we love that we're your people. God, we love that we can come to church and we can, we can learn about you and we can feed ourselves and strengthen our spirit man. And we thank you that we are coming to church and we're now involved in a part of this massive body, this, this universal people that's meeting around the world right now. God, these people that are lifting up your name, that are worshiping you, that are, that are uh, knowing more about you and falling more in love with you, Lord, we're just one branch of this massive church on the earth. We thank you that we get to be a part of it, and uh, this morning as we partner together, and as we hang out, and as we drink coffee, and as we read your word and study your scriptures, we ask that your Holy Spirit would teach us according to your truth. And Lord, would you speak to us general words, but also specific and practical words that apply to us individually, Lord. Would you lead us and guide us into all truth this morning as we read your scriptures? In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Okay, well, we're going to kick off with a discussion question this morning. And this discussion question is a little bit of an icebreaker. Um, and some of you may even laugh just when you see it. But, but here's what it is. Explain a time in your life where you were just broke or were in need of something. 
Okay, so as usual, you, you don't have to divulge the deepest, darkest secrets of your heart. You can if you want and drop a bomb on everybody at your table. But, uh, you know, keep it light, keep it fun. Talk about a time where you were just broke because we've all been there, right? I mean, scrambling for money, trying to buy food, or, or you were just in need of something. So go ahead, discuss this in your tables, a time when you were just broke or in need of something. Ready, set, discuss. Well, how many of you guys had a, had a good story about just being broke, like eating ramen noodles? We, we were talking ramen noodles and mac and cheese, the delicacy of our 20s, right? Like you're, you're just, you're, you're scrambling for it. I remember one time uh, I was in high school. I wasn't even in college yet. And I was one of those broke kids that, that wanted to act like I had a lot of money. And, uh, you know, I, I worked a job, but like the the, the money that I got from that pretty much only paid for my gas, and yet I'm hanging out, and I'm going out to eat, and I'm doing all this stuff and spending money I don't have. Can anybody relate to that? You can, you know, like put your hand down here. You don't have under the table. But there was one night in particular where I'm hanging out with my friends. I think this is my junior or senior year, and there's, there's like five guys, five of us hanging out, and we decide, man, you hungry? Yeah, I'm hungry. Well, let's go to Sonic. Like, like, yeah, let's, and I'm like, yeah, let's go to Sonic. Hey, I'll buy. I got you guys, everyone. Sonic on me, yeah. And so uh, we hop in my car, right, because I'm trying to impress people. I'm trying to like, I got money, man. I got gas. Like, let's drive. Let's go. So I, we go to Sonic, and we pull up, and, and uh, we, we, we roll down the window and start ordering. And they're, they're ordering, like, I'm thinking dollar menu, you know, like junior breakfast burrito, the chicken tender sandwich, I don't know, whatever. But they're going like, oh, a number nine, a number eight, a number seven, like maybe some chicken fingers, some, some French toast. I'm like, gosh. And as they're ordering this stuff, I'm, I'm slowly starting to realize, wait, I didn't check my bank account before this. Like I have no idea how much is in my bank account. For all I know, I mean, last week I had like five bucks in it and I spent it on gas. So I have no idea how much I have. So they're ordering all this stuff and we're going through it and, and dinner's on me, right? So we get done. I'm like, I'll have an ice water, and I'm good. And uh, we're, uh, I'm putting my card in the machine, and I'm swiping it, and the screen's lighting up, and I'm thinking, okay, am, am I going to be able to pay for this, or, or is this thing going to get declined right now? And I look like an idiot, you know, and, I'm, and so I'm waiting, I'm staring, and I'm looking at the screen, and all of a sudden, the word approved lights up on the screen. And I'm like, yeah, boys, we're eating like kings tonight. Woo, Sonic, celebratory fist bumps, come on. And it's like this, this moment where, okay, I, I, I got this, cool. I made up for it. But those were the days where I was just broke. And a lot of us can, can uh, relate to that, where high school, mainly in college, we have these times where it's, you know, again, ramen and mac and cheese. Let's eat, let's feast, come on. Um, and so we, we all go through times for the most part, where we're, where we're just broke. And some of you at this point are probably thinking, what the heck does this have to do with anything we're talking about? Well, it's going to make sense here in just a second, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to string you along for a little bit. So, uh, so let's shift gears and let's go to Acts chapter 3 real quick. Um, if you've got your Bibles or phones, let's uh, crack open Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. We're going to read a story about some broke dudes named Peter and John. And uh, a little bit of context here for those of you who weren't here last week. Pentecost has just come, and Acts chapter 2 leaves off with the church 
growing and expanding. And it says that the souls are being added to their number daily. And so the church is birthed through Pentecost. And then soul after soul after soul are being added to the kingdom and to the church daily. So this thing is starting to gain some momentum. This entity that is the church is starting to grow and starting to expand. And so it picks it up in the, in the chapter after in Acts 3 verse 1. We're going to go through verse 10. So let's read this together. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. And this actually was a very beneficial move for uh, beggars and lame men at the time because um, it, was, it was highly valued in Jewish culture. If you were righteous and if you, if you had what it takes, then you would give alms to these beggars and you would give alms as you're walking in um, to about to engage in prayer and Jewish ritual. You would, if you were a good Jew, you would give alms to these beggars. And so that's what he's asking for. And uh, verse three, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple asked for alms, asking for money. And, uh, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood, walking into the temple with them. He was walking and leaping and praising God, and all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This passage is a very important one in the entire book of Acts because... It, it kind of serves as a focal point and a shift in some ways in this Acts narrative. Because up until this point, some awesome things had just happened in the church. You know, Pentecost had come. The Holy Spirit had come. The Holy Spirit's now indwelling believers. And then Peter steps up full of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 and, and delivers this sermon and gets 3,000 people saved. Whoa, awesome. There's this massive move of God, this first wave of growth in the church. And then we see the church having all things in common. And that's great, but there still had yet to be a physical, tangible, like, miracle and manifestation of power. Because Jesus said to his disciples, remember, all these things I do, you're going to do these things and a bag of chips. You're going to do all these things and more. All these things. You're going to heal the sick. You're going to raise the dead. Power is going to come through you. And this really hasn't happened yet. And so no doubt... Any of the disciples who remembered this are, are waiting for it. They're expecting it. Okay, when do we get to walk in power? When are these miracles going to happen? We've seen growth, but, but there hasn't yet been that manifestation, a miracle, that power that Jesus had walked in. And so this serves as the first miracle post-Pentecost. And it serves as a shift of where the disciples and, and everyone who's filled with the Spirit in the upper room start walking in the power of God. And so uh, this miracle actually triggers a series of events um, that we see in the book of Acts that sets the stage for the rest of the book of Acts and the church expanding. Because right now, 
the uh, Peter heals this lame man. This lame man jumps up. He's dancing. He's, he's freaking out. He's super hyped up. And then they walk into the temple, and this crowd begins to congregate. And they're saying, wait a minute. We know this dude. This guy was begging at the gate for years and years and years. And this is that cripple who has been lame since his mother's womb. He, his whole life, he's been lame. So, and he's healed. What the heck? And they start to gather around James, or, uh, Peter and John, and they're asking them, wait, what's going on here? Like, what, what power is happening here? Are, are you guys special? Are you guys superheroes? You got this power that, that we need to know about? And as soon as Peter and John catch whiff of this, they, they just squash it all together. They say, no, 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 wait. It is Jesus who's done this. Look, Jesus has healed this man by his Holy Spirit. And, and this Messiah, this person whom you crucified, is now here and he's offering you repentance. And we are now living in this messianic age where our sins are forgiven, where our, uh, our sickness can be cleansed, where we can be healed, and where our lives suddenly make sense again because our relationship with God is now restored. It's all because of the Messiah. And this miracle was a way of ushering in and saying, look, we're in the messianic age now. And so halfway into the middle of them speaking and, and preaching, these, uh, these priests and Sadducees roll up and essentially throw them in handcuffs and throw them in jail, which, rude, by the way, rude, 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 what are you doing? You don't arrest a man when he's preaching. You just don't. But they did. And they threw him in prison, and then they questioned him and John the next morning, saying, by what power did you do this stuff? By what power? What, what's this miracle all about? And Peter's like, dude... I was telling these guys before you arrested me, it's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. The Messiah, again, whom you crucified, has done this. He rose from the dead, and he healed this man, and now he's alive and offering salvation to everyone who believes in him. And so then they essentially release them. We're going into Acts chapter 4 now. And they, they uh, release them with the caveat of, you will not speak the name of Jesus anymore you got to be done. you got to squash this thing. This thing can no longer grow or else we're going to punish you. And Peter and John are like, man, we, we, we got to preach the name of Jesus. So they continue and they preach and they preach. And we see that the church after this point, it's the snowball effect. It continue to grow in momentum. The souls continue to be one. And then eventually the church goes out into all the world and preaches the good news of Jesus Christ. And, it, and this first miracle attributes and is the catalyst, the spark for this worldwide expansion of the church. So no doubt... It's a really important miracle, and it's an important passage that we got to look at. And so when we read this, we see that Peter and John were on their way to the temple, right? They, it says they were going to pray. And, uh, and they're stopped by this beggar man. And I want you to put yourself in the disciples' shoes for a second and think about how easy it could have been for Peter and John to just keep walking, right? We know that well. We, we pull up at a stoplight, and there's someone on the side of the road asking for money, holding up a sign, and, and we all, we can relate. We have that, that, that uh, anxious, that uncomfortable feeling that, oh gosh, okay, just, just, just keep going, light, turn green. You know, we can all relate, but you just want to keep going. Don't roll down your window, or you're walking downtown, and, uh, and somebody's next to you asking for money, and it's, it's that uncomfortable feeling. We can all relate, can't we? And Peter and John are walking through this, and they could have easily, just like what we do, like keep walking, just, just keep going, John, just keep going. But, uh, and out of the thousands of people that could have given this man money and who's going in, Peter and John say, you know what, let's stop. And so they stop, and they go to this lame man, 
And uh, if anyone had an excuse at this point to keep going, it was Peter and John, right? Because what are they doing? They're going to pray. They're going to go do the spiritual stuff. They're doing the stuff that's really important. But then they're willing to stop, and they're willing to talk to this man, and they're willing to be inconvenienced. And here we see a parallel between this passage and the Good Samaritan, how they're priests, they're Levites, they're Pharisees, they're all these religious people just walking by this man, going to do the spiritual stuff, right? Excuse me. They're going to do the spiritual stuff. They're going to do the stuff that's important, and they just kind of keep walking, but Peter and John are like the Good Samaritan, who they, they, they say, you know what, I'm going to be inconvenienced here. And I realize that loving on this person and showing him who Jesus is, is just as important as going to pray. And that, that doing the spiritual stuff, this is the spiritual stuff. This is the important stuff. And so they fulfill this, this uh, par- parable of the Good Samaritan, and they stop for this man. They're willing to be inconvenienced, and they go out of their way, and they start talking to him. And what, the, what does this lame man ask? He asks, do you have money? Can I get some alms from you? And Peter says, look, man, silver and gold have I none. And he keeps going, but, but he wasn't lying when he said silver and gold have I none. I mean, we, we kind of think of this as a hyperbole or an exaggeration or, oh, okay. Peter, of course, had some. Well, no, because when we look back, Peter and John and all the disciples for the last three years had been dependent on Jesus, right? They've been bunking it up with Jesus. They've been traveling the known world, talking, preaching the gospel, hanging out with Jesus, you know, rubbing shoulders with him. And every day, I mean, they're left their occupations. They don't have any money. They left everything for Jesus. And for the last three years, they've been completely dependent on this guy, Jesus, to meet their needs, So Peter wasn't lying. He literally had no money. He was broke. He didn't have anything. And hence, this is an an interesting idea, Uh, the communal living suddenly starts to make sense in Acts 2 and Acts 4, where the believers kind of pool their resources and they're, they're sharing with those in need. Well, that was probably the disciples. The disciples were probably the ones in need because up until two weeks ago, when Jesus ascended, they were dependent on Jesus, and so they most likely hadn't gone back to their occupations yet, they hadn't made a ton of money yet, and they were in need of people's resources, and so the church kind of organically gathered together around and was sharing all things in common. So all that to say, Peter and John were broke. But here we come to an important part of the story, because we see Peter doing two things here. Number one, Peter didn't focus on the lack that he had. The lame man said, can I get some money? And Peter could have easily said, silver and gold, have I none? Period. Sorry, man. I ain't got no money. I ain't got no car to take you on a date. I don't. I don't have anything. I have no money for you. Sorry, man. And for some of us, silver and gold, have I none? That's the mantra of our 20s, isn't it? Like replace that nice Ikea canvas on your wall in your house with silver and gold, have I none? You're walking into a broke person's house right now. And we're living off ramen noodles. Like I got 24 bucks in my bank account and five packs of ramen to last me the month. Like I am broke. Silver and gold, have I none? And Peter could have said, silver and gold, have I none, man? Sorry, I don't have anything. So uh, I'm going to keep going. Peace out. But he didn't focus on the lack. Number two, Peter didn't delegate the task. Because he could have said, silver and gold have I none, and walked away. But he also could have said, silver and gold have I none. 
but there's a really rich Pharisee that's rolling up. That, that super believer, that guy who's got it all together. Yeah, he's riding in on his new camel. He's got an iPhone in his hand. I'm pretty sure he was wearing a designer pair of Steve Madden's. Like, this guy is rich and loaded, and he's got it. So if anyone can take care of you, it's going to be that guy, right? The Pharisee, the super believer, he'll take care of you. But silver and gold, I don't have any. So see you, man. That's delegating, and we, we can feel like that sometimes, right? Like, oh, those super believers who, who are at church three times a week, or those guys, those friends on the mission field, or those worship pastors, or those preachers, like, they, they got it. Those super believers, they got it covered, and then me, I don't have anything to offer. The super believers got it covered. The people who have money got it covered. The people who have resources and have the gifts and have the talents, yeah, they'll take care of the people who really need it. But Peter didn't either. He didn't focus on the lack, and he didn't delegate the task, but what did he do? He said, silver and gold have I none, but I do have something. And you know, I may not have money, but Peter said, I refuse to let this man, to let this lost sheep, to let this son in whom Jesus died for walk away without something, and walk away without someone showing him who Jesus is. And so he said, you know what, even though I don't have money, I do have something to give. And what I have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. And the layman is healed. And this miracle happens because Peter brings him what he has. And he doesn't focus on the lack. And he doesn't delegate the task to those super believers. But he brings God what he has. And God uses it. And heals this lame man. And then we see that 2,000 other people after this, because of this miracle, are saved. Because of what Peter brought. Because he didn't delegate. And he didn't focus on the lack. And so when we give God in our lives what we have, and when we don't delegate the stuff, and when we don't delegate the work, and when we don't focus on the lack that we have, the 24 bucks and the five packs of ramen noodles in our pantry, when we give God and when we bring him what we have, then God uses that for his purposes, just like Peter did in this passage. And we see this all the time in Scripture. Abraham, God's saying, Abraham, I know you're 100 years old, and, and having a kid is ridiculous, but just... just use something. Give me what you got. Give me that broken body, and I will give you a son. I will. I promise I'll give you a son, and this people will be the people that I reveal myself to. Moses, I know you stutter. I know you're scared. I know you're terrible at public speaking, but just give me what you got, and I will help deliver these people of Israel from the Egyptians' hands. You know, David, you're putting on the suit of armor. I know you got Saul's armor on and his sword in his hand, and it's clunky, and it's not fitting right, but just give me what you got. You got a sling in your backpack. You got some stones you can pick up, and I'll use that to liberate these Israelites from the hand of Goliath and the Philistines. And then finally, boy, we don't even know his name. He's not even named in the Bible. You're five loaves and two fish. Give them to my son Jesus, and I will use them to feed these multitudes of people so that they can hear the gospel. You see, God has this knack of using what his people have and using what we bring him. And then we, as the people of God, begin to have this reputation of being the people that give God, not the surplus, you know, not, not the overflow. Some, some of us may have that, but just bringing him what we got in humility and in faith and saying, you know what? Silver and gold have I none, but what I have, I'm going to give it. 
And I'm not going to focus on the lack. And I'm not going to delegate the need to somebody who has more than me. But I'm going to give what I have. But this is a hard one to walk out for us, isn't it? Because at times, we're surrounded by people. Look at social media, Instagram, Facebook. It seems like all of our friends are going and doing the big stuff, right? We got friends who are on the missions field and, and loving on orphans and preaching the gospel across the world. We got, we got other friends who just had a, their very own startup business, and it's making money, and they're investing that money in the kingdom. And our friends are doing all these amazing things, and it's easy to look at those people and say, yeah, they're doing this stuff, but I, I can't do my own startup. Like, I don't have enough money to go to give my life to missions. Like, I don't have anything to offer. And we think that we don't have stuff to offer because of all these people around us. And we think sometimes that if I can just hunker down and if I can just grit my teeth and if I can just get through life and just eventually get to heaven, then it will be good enough. But God says, no, 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 wait. I've given you gifts. I've given you talents. I've given you purpose. Some of you, I've given you money. I've given you resources so that you can use it. And don't delegate it and don't focus on the need, but you have stuff. And use what you have. Use what I've given you to reach the lost people of this city. Use it to love on people. Use it to show people who I am. Show them who Jesus, my son, is. But then, even when we decide, it can be such an inconvenience sometimes, can it? I mean, we can come off a week of work, and I've been there, this, God, I, I just spent the last week in front of a computer, my brain, it feels like it's jello, like, I just want to sit and veg all weekend. You know, and you hop up on the couch, and you order a pizza, and you turn on reruns of The Office, watching Michael Scott be up to his crazy office antics, you know, hey, Mrs. Scott, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? Make your dreams come true. Yeah, come on, I'm gonna watch The Office, I just want to veg. And, uh, and those people in ministry, those people who are on the platform this Sunday, those people who are on the mission field, yeah, those super believers, they'll do the work. And they're doing the real ministry, right? Because they're leading worship, and they're teaching, and they're work, they work at a church, and they're in full-time ministry, because those people surely are the ones who are doing the real work. And a little side note here, this is, this is a common tendency that we believe in, uh, in, the, in the church these days, isn't it? Thinking that full-time ministry— and the people who work at a church full-time are the people who do the real work. I think we're tempted to think that from time to time. And that's what we call the clergy-laity divide. And this is, it's the idea that, yeah, the people in full-time ministry and who work at a church and who get paid for it, they're doing the real stuff. While it's my job to just sit back and support and write a check when the Christmas offering comes around and amen the pastor when he asks me to amen and sit and get fed and then leave and just simply support the church. But no, no, no. Ephesians 4.12 actually says that God gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, that is, people in full-time ministry, he gave them to the church for the equipping of the saints so that they may be equipped for every good work. So in fact, the people in full-time ministry are just the ones who have the skill set and have the inner wiring to pour into people and equip the body of Christ so that the body of Christ can be the real ones the ones on the street, the ones in the city, the ones who are interacting with lost people, they're the ones who then love on people. So it's this clergy-lady divide. And again, if you want that reference, it's Ephesians 4.12. But what I'm getting at is that God has given us all something. And sometimes, again, we can feel like it's not enough, and we can play the comparison game, and we can look at other people, 
and we can feel discouraged and like we don't have anything to offer, but God has in fact given me, you, all of us something to bring to him and to be used for his glory. So this morning, I just want to ask you the simple question. What do you have this morning? What can you give to God? What can you bring to God that he can help use you to reach lost people or to show others who Jesus is? What is it? Some of you may have money. Some of you may have time. Some of you may have entrepreneurial dreams. Some of you may have the ability to, you know, go off and do missions. What, what is it? Like, God's given all of us something. What is your something? What's that thing, the, that, that skill set, that resource that God can use to make his name known through you? Well, whatever it is, I know God is wanting to use that. And I know God's calling us as his people, by his word, to use these things that we have, whatever they are. It could be anything. He wants us to use what we have for his glory and not play the comparison game and not delegate it and say, well, those, those people who are more talented than me, they got it. Or, you know what, I'm so broken and I'm so needy and God, I need this and God, I need that. But God's like, wait, 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 wait. Just look at all the other stuff I've blessed you with. Yeah, you're zeroing in on this one area of lack and one area of need, but, but would you take a step back and just look, like, really? Look at all this stuff I've given you. I've given you community. I've given you salvation. I've given you my spirit. Like, you lack nothing in regards to what I can give you. I can give you anything. And so, some of you may have money, and you can kind of get creative with this stuff. Some of you can have money, and you can... Um, I don't know, just give it to people who don't have much. And you can go and you can buy food. We've done that before as the mill. You, you buy cheeseburgers from McDonald's and you give it to homeless people at Acacia Park. Or you give money to, to people in the church, somebody who you know is trying to get a car or has just been laid off. You can give financially to people. Some of you have the time and you can serve here at New Life, or you can serve at organizations like Springs Rescue Mission, who's working with people who are poor, who are well off, who are, or who aren't well off, who are lost, who are looking for Jesus. Some of you have a really, really solid understanding of the word and can teach it. And if so, talk to me, because we want to get you as a small group leader. We want you in the mix. And the list can go on and on and on. But, but my point is this. This is what I'm getting at, is that we all have something we can give. It's, it's something. We all have it. And we as the people of God are to use these gifts and to use these talents or to use these resources or whatever it is for his glory because that's what we're called to do. We as the church are not called to sit and be spiritual gluttons. We're not called to just sit at the church every single Sunday and get fed and fed and fed and fed and not do anything with it. Jesus built his church so that the church could advance, so that it could reach people, so that it could show people who Jesus is. And so when we step out and we say yes, and we say, God, I'm going to give what I have to you. Would you use it? And it may not be this huge thing. I may not get on the conference universal circuit. I may not be speaking to thousands and thousands of people. I may not be paying for people's college, but I do have something. And what you have, what I have, you can use. I'm thinking of a couple examples. There's this couple, Jim and Renee, uh, who work in, uh, we'll, we'll Jim has his own business. I think he's, he's a carpenter and he works on homes. And Renee, I think, is a teacher. And that's their full-time occupation. They're both at that during the week. But then you know what they do on Sundays? They come and they serve in New Life Kids. 
And they're in there every single Sunday. They're faithful and they're diligent. And they show kids who Jesus is. And it's not real glamorous ministry. They're not out there speaking. They're not out there leading worship or anything. But, but they're, they're there playing basketball with kids. And they're playing tag with kids. And they're just showing these kids who Jesus is. And they're making a real impact because they're bringing what they have to God and serving and using it for his purposes. One of my buddies, Tyler, some of you will know him as soon as I start talking about him. He works at a coffee shop. He's a stud. He works at a coffee shop occupationally. But during the week, he's sitting down one-on-one with people, pastoring people, loving on people, telling them about Jesus, just, just being godly being who God's called him to be. He's talking to people. And then on Wednesday nights, he's serving in DSM in the student ministry, and he's teaching high school kids who Jesus is. And he's leading small groups. And he's engaged, and he's in the trenches with these kids, and he's walking them through addictions, and he's walking them through struggles. And you know what? He, occupationally, he's not in full-time ministry as far as getting paid by a church. He doesn't do that. But he is in full-time ministry by what he does, by what he pours out, by bringing God what he has and God using it for his glory And these are just a few examples, but I hope that I'm breaking the notion this morning that you don't have anything to offer or that I don't have anything to offer. We just, you know, we kind of just, the the rock stars, the people who really have it all together, they do the work. But no, 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 no. We all have something to offer. And like Jim and like Renee and like Tyler, we can all get creative in the things that God's given us and, and use our gifts and talents and resources to expand God's kingdom and to show others who he's like. And here's a big takeaway. You don't, hey Rush, I hear you talking. Here's a big takeaway. You don't have to do full-time ministry occupationally to do ministry powerfully. You don't have to get paid for ministry to do it powerfully. You don't have to be, I'll say that again. You don't have to do full-time ministry occupationally to do it powerfully. Because we do ministry powerfully when we bring God what we have. Some, some people have a lot, some people have a little, but whatever it is, we can bring God what we have, and then effective and powerful ministry happens. And we step into our calling as the people of God and as the church body to reach lost people with the five loaves and two fish that we have. So we're going we're gonna to go into another discussion, and then we're going to close in a, uh, in a cool way, but... Let's talk about this. I want us to think real practically. Here's the discussion we're going to end on. What do you have that you can use for God this week? Really, really simple. We're not blowing the theological lid off this thing. We're not, we're not nuancing all these theological issues. With this, let's just get real practical. What do you have? What's in your hands that you can give to God this week? How can you be used to show others who Jesus is and who God is? Okay? So get real practical. Think creatively. Let's talk about this one. Ready, set, discuss. All right. Well, as we wrap up this morning, that, that question was so fitting for me because I was just telling the table that I was sitting in just now. All week, as I've been reading this story, there was that one area of application that was just staring me in the face. Any of you... Does that happen to you guys sometimes? You're, you're reading a passage of scripture, you're reading a verse, and you're like, gosh, the application is so clear. Not all the time, but sometimes. Well, for me, practically, what I can do is, um, JC and I have this neighbor who's like 68 years old, um, he's retired, he lives alone, and he's that kind of guy who, 
as soon as you walk outside and he looks at you, you know you're starting a 45-minute conversation right now. You know, there's like, <laughs> I'm going to try and walk away, but it, it's not going to happen. Like, we're in this for the long haul. And, uh, you know, and a lot of times with people like that, some of us can relate. We, we can just try and find a way out. Like, okay, w- what excuse can I come up with? Uh, JC's sick. Oh, sorry. Yeah, JC's sick. Sorry, I got to go inside, take care of her. And you look for a way out, and I look for a way out. But the Lord convicted me this week and is like, no, lean into those conversations. Like, like those are prime windows for you to show him who I am. We know he's not saved. He doesn't come to church. But, uh, you know, just lean in. Like, like, show this guy who I am. Be kind. Ask about his life. Ask about how he's doing. And maybe eventually there will be an open door to tell him about Jesus or to invite him to church or, or whatever. Who knows? But it's practical, little things like that that's not glamorous and it's not sexy, but it's what we got, you know, and, and that's our ministry, loving on people sometimes in menial ways in our eyes, but, but those are the important things that God calls us to do. So uh, I encourage you this week, look for those opportunities, those little things, and, and, and be open to the Holy Spirit where he, you know, he tells you, hey, lean into this conversation, keep talking, or go talk to that person, or give this person a $20 bill, or whatever it is. But as we wrap up, I want us to, I want us to stand, and here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to read a passage of Scripture together, one simple verse, and I want us to make this our prayer and our declaration for this week because it goes along with what we're, we're talking about. So let's read this together. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The Lord's got good things for us this week. He's got things that we need to do, that he's called us to do, that he's prepared beforehand us to walk in. So may the Lord bless us and keep us. May he may his face shine upon us and let us be the salt and light of the earth this week as we bring to God what we have, as we use what's in our hands to benefit his kingdom. Let us be his workmanship that we may walk in the good things that he has for us. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you guys. We love you. Enjoy your week. And uh, we'll see you guys back here next week for Mill Sunday School. Peace out. Much love. We hope you've been spiritually encouraged by listening to this podcast. More podcasts and information about the college and 20-somethings ministry at New Life Church in Colorado Springs can be found at newlifechurch.org forward slash Sunday School.